Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're continuing our series on the life of prayer, and this book is entitled Embracing His Will. It is the third of three parts in the series, and the first chapter is titled Vital Signs. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My oldest brother, Bill, is an internationally known surgeon who has always been a source for great sermon illustrations. He told me of a memorable incident that occurred at a famous teaching hospital in New England. One of the older wings of the hospital had private rooms reserved for patients whose medical conditions were less urgent and whose personal budgets were more extravagant. The waiting areas in this wing had fireplaces, oriental rugs, and ornate furniture. Most of the patients were paying extra for private duty nurses to provide constant round-the-clock care. One morning, as the surgical residents were making rounds, they entered a room and found a private duty nurse cheerfully knitting beside the bed of a deceased patient. It was obvious that the patient had been dead for several hours. His color was ashen, and his body had become rigid. Nevertheless, the nurse's notes indicated normal pulse, respiration, and blood pressure as recently as a half an hour before the doctors arrived. Seeing the situation, the doctor in charge of rounds wanted to make a lasting impression on his students as well as on the private duty nurse. The doctor reached out and pressed down on the feet of the deceased patient. The rigid corpse sprang forward, startling everyone in the room. Caught and confronted in this awkward situation, the embarrassed nurse explained to the doctor that the patient had been restlessly struggling until around 2 a.m. When he finally grew quiet, I didn't want to risk waking him. So I made up the vital signs. I just wanted him to sleep. Too often, when we are charged with providing spiritual care to people around us, we fail to recognize that many in our care are not just sleeping peacefully. They are spiritually dead. It is tragic, rather than risk disturbing these spiritual corpses, 
we continue to reassure ourselves that they are just resting, peaceful, and oblivious to any danger. When it comes to recognizing the characteristics of spiritual life, we are often reluctant to look for spiritual qualities the Bible tells us to expect in those who have passed from death to life. We ignore evidence of spiritual death and instead hope that, in time, the people we know and love will somehow awaken to a better day. Spending time with spiritually dead people can make our own weakened spiritual condition seem healthy in comparison. We deceive ourselves so easily. One of the clearest indications of our own spiritual condition is our personal prayer life. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Prayer should be as natural to the Christian as breathing. If our prayer is labored and weak, we need to consider what ails us. Because so many Christians are in an unhealthy spiritual state, the church has come to accept carnality as normal, despite the repeated warnings of Scripture. Spiritually healthy souls are viewed as extraordinary individuals, as if God's blessings were only for a few of his children. God always keeps his promises. His children are not left to work our way into his good favor. We love him because he first loved us. Nothing can separate us from his love. A healthy, vital prayer life best reflects our trust in him and his love for us. For a long time, I struggled with a philosophical question about prayer. What is the point in praying? If God is sovereign, almighty, and all-knowing, what is the point? Or if we're going to pray, why don't we just pray, Okay, God, do whatever you want. Really? Isn't God going to do whatever he wants anyway? He's got all the power, and we don't get a vote. Suppose we all agree that we don't want to go along with God's plan any longer. Will God then abandon his plan? I've come to understand that if I don't cooperate with God, I'll miss the opportunity to enjoy his plan. God will accomplish his purposes regardless of my attitude or my obedience. The question is what part I will play in his plan. Will I embrace his will for my life? Prayer involves a developing relationship with God. He loves us and wants us to enjoy intimacy with Him. Our life on earth is an opportunity to cultivate our relationship with Him. How do we pray in order to stimulate growth in our relationship with God? People have made suggestions throughout the history of the church for how to make prayer a vital and regular part of our lives. Many tools have been devised. While tools and formulas for prayer can be helpful, they can sometimes become a distraction from a personal encounter with God. We must understand and remember that the goal of prayer is not about learning three important methods for manipulating God or six things we can do to get God on our side. The goal of prayer is a personal, intimate, dynamic, and growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is is the means by which God embraces us as we reach out for his embrace. Prayer is a relationship with God, rather than a perfunctory performance for him. Our prayer life involves a lifelong journey with highs and lows, mountaintops and rugged valleys. If Bible study and prayer are not supposed to be obligatory disciplines performed mechanically, how can prayer formulas and evaluations be part of the plan? Should we evaluate the content of our communication with God? If so, 
How can we use a prayer formula to check our own spiritual vital signs? In learning to focus my conversations with God on the things that bring him pleasure, I have sometimes used an easy-to-remember acronym for prayer, known as ACTS, A-C-T-S. This model seeks to subdivide prayer time into four distinctly important areas of focus. These aspects of prayer are presented throughout Scripture when God's people pray. As you come to God in prayer, presenting your whole body, mind, and soul in an act of worship, you can learn to focus your attention on the things that bring God pleasure. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. PRAY, P-R-A-Y, is another acronym designed to cover the basics of a biblical prayer life. PRAY, P for praise, R for repentance, A for asking for others, and Y, your own needs. Now, obviously, understanding what each of the words in these acronyms encompasses is important. Many people have come up with personalized ways of defining the parameters of their own prayer life. A friend who serves on the foreign mission field uses his hand as he prays to remind him of what he needs to include in his prayers. He starts with his little finger and offers worship, adoration, consecration, and confession. The ring finger reminds him to pray for those in authority. When he comes to the middle finger, he prays for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, because that's the one that has the longest reach. The index, or pointer finger, focuses his prayers for individual brothers and sisters in Christ, and the thumb represents praying for his own needs last. Each of these tools provides simple, memorable reminders of different aspects of biblical prayer. The lists are not exactly the same, but each one suggests ways to make our prayer life more meaningful and effective. What I discovered each time I check my spiritual vital signs with one of these tools is that one area of my prayer life has become stronger than the others, or one or more areas has become extremely weak or non-existent. My prayers tend to become a bit lopsided. Depending on my circumstances, the pendulum can swing from a heart full of thanksgiving to an overwhelming sense of unmet needs. My prayers tend to become more about me and what I desire rather than what brings God pleasure. While God does not command us to include every kind of prayer in every prayer we make, all the elements described in the prayer formulas are encouraged in Scripture. Our overall conversations with God should include all these elements. The emphasis may be in particular areas at particular times in our lives, but we need to consciously practice including all of these elements. We must always remember that the goal of our prayer life is growing intimate communication with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is to be a time of refreshment and preparation for effective service, not a dreaded time of stressful posturing and manipulation. God is our Daddy. And we need to crave his presence and learn to truly rest in him. Prayer is a time to tune our lives to God's purposes. Too often I find myself wanting to inform God of what I desire. I believe that prayer tools can be beneficial if we use them occasionally to check our spiritual pulse. Checking our pulse involves determining if our prayer life reflects the Bible's teaching on prayer. The Bible directs us in how to bring pleasure to our loving Heavenly Father. If the spiritual pulse is weak, use the tools to bring it back to a healthy rhythm. 
I must emphasize again, however, that prayer is not intended to be a self-conscious activity. While it is good to check your pulse occasionally, it would be mentally unhealthy to live with a finger on your pulse continually. Obsession with sticking to a detailed formula removes the focus from God and puts it back to us and our performance. We need to focus on God and lose ourselves in intimate fellowship with Him. We must spend more time listening to God and then obeying Him if we want to have a meaningful relationship with Him. Are your prayers about what pleases Him? Are you listening? Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Did you know that along with being an excellent Bible teacher, Pastor Wood has authored over a dozen books? We'd like to encourage you to visit PastorWood.org for resources and books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife Susan. You can also listen to or download teachings by Pastor Wood 24-7. Please visit PastorWood.org today. That's PastorWood.org. When I was growing up, I listened to Christian radio quite a bit. Several of the preachers that I heard made a great impact on my life. I am sorry to say that I didn't get to thank all of them. I did get to thank some. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Whether you want to thank me or not, at least let me know you're listening. Contact us by going to the website, pastorwood.org. Check out the materials there. Let us hear from you. Let us know where you listen and when you listen. And if you think it's helpful, please tell us. And if you think it's not, uh, go ahead and tell us that too. But we would really appreciate hearing from you so that we know where our new listeners are. We are delighted that we have the privilege of coming into your vehicle, your home, your computer, wherever you're listening. We want to hear from you. Please contact us today. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. This program is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. You can hear Pastor Wood's teachings 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at PastorWood.org. And when you visit PastorWood.org, we would greatly appreciate it if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and, if possible, also make a donation to this ministry. So please visit PastorWood.org today or give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Once while swimming in the ocean, I shouted an exceedingly short but extremely earnest prayer. Susan and I had gone to the beach in New England where the ocean water is usually bone-chilling. On this particular day, the tide was unusually calm, allowing a huge tidal pool to develop and making the water shallow for what seemed to be a half a mile. As a result, this was the closest thing to warm ocean water we'd experienced during our years in New England. And I was thoroughly enjoying myself and beckoning Susan to come out deeper and deeper with me. She resisted. There might be jellyfish or stingrays if we go out too deep. I kept saying, jellyfish and stingrays don't come this far north. And it's not deep at all. But it's too far from shore. I don't want to go any further out, she pleaded. I implored her to come further. Finally, 
While we were only about 10 feet from each other, I said, Oh, come on. Don't be a ninny. Just then, Susan pointed directly over my shoulder and gasped, Jim, look! I turned around, glanced into the clear ocean water, and saw a school of sharks swimming directly toward me. The face of a shark is menacing, obviously designed to evoke fear. Sharks not only have huge teeth, but an ugly facial expression. The moment that I saw those sharks, I completely forgot my wife was there with me. In that moment, I offered one of the most sincere prayers I have ever prayed. God, help! I plunged into the water and began swimming frantically for shore, leaving Susan behind to fend for herself. I expected steel, vice-like jaws to clamp down on my lower extremities at any moment. Instead, I heard the faint sounds of Susan's voice calling to me in the distance. Jim! Jim! Stand up! Try walking! I raised my head above the surf and could see Susan turn toward me already halfway back to shore. <laughs> Embarrassed by my failure, both as husband and swimmer, I stood up, looked around, laughed, and proceeded to walk through the waves toward the beach. I share this story because I have prayed many prayers over the years, but none has ever been more sincere or heartfelt than that simple short prayer. God help! Does a short prayer like this count with God? Yes, it does. It is not necessary for all of our prayers to encompass a complete formula for prayer. Imagine if I had seen the sharks and began my prayer with praise, adoration, and thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, you are the creator and ruler of the universe. I just want to take time to recognize your greatness. You have created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. We bow now in your presence to thank you for this warm ocean water. Well, my prayer would not have been sincere. In fact, it would have been a bit crazy. While facing a school of sharks, it was appropriate for me to express what was on my heart. However, if all I prayed were God-help prayers, then my prayer life would not be healthy. If my prayer life is not healthy, then my relationship with God is not healthy. If my relationship with God is not what it should be, all of my other relationships suffer as a result. There are many people who come to God only for help. And even then, God doesn't often get the credit when help arrives. The story is told of a carpenter who, who, while working on the roof of a high-rise building, loses his footing. As he's sliding down the roof to certain death, he cries out, God, help! Just then, his pants leg catches on a nail, and his life is miraculously spared. Seeing that he's safe, the carpenter mumbles, uh, Never mind, God, my pants just got caught on a nail. Some of us seem to think that God exists to do our bidding as needed. Sometimes, when we've needed him most, we can't see his hand in saving us. Unfortunately, there are those of us who seem to have gotten the idea that prayer is supposed to be an intense and acrobatic activity meant to impress God and other people. There are some people who, having spent time observing public prayer performances, feel that their own prayer performances are not as good as the performances of other people. And feeling inadequate, these people give up praying themselves and leave the praying to others. For them, prayer becomes a spectator sport. If they feel a personal need for prayer, they make a prayer request and wait for someone else to pray. Spectator sports can be great. I love to watch gymnastics, especially in the Olympics. It's thrilling to see young athletes who are disciplined in practice doing remarkable feats. 
I'd be alarmed, however, if those same gymnasts approached me at a party doing handsprings in my direction. Agility is great, but somersaults and cartwheels do not belong at a dinner party. God chose the image of an intimate meal together to describe the type of fellowship he desires with us. He's not impressed by our performance. God doesn't want to be entertained, and he doesn't want us to use our time with him to entertain others either. One Sunday morning, the pastor of a church where my family was visiting graciously invited me to conclude a worship service with prayer. Paul, my oldest son, commented later that my prayer was probably the longest prayer those people had ever heard. I wasn't trying to preach, but apparently since I hadn't gotten to preach that morning, my prayer reflected Jesus' words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My son made me aware that perhaps my prayer wasn't within the bounds of what was being asked of me. When we are being given the special privilege and responsibility of leading others in prayer, our prayer should be for the benefit of the other worshipers, as well as for the deepening of our own personal relationship with God. While public prayer may be planned or spontaneous, as mine was on this particular Sunday morning, the goal is God's glory. Our motive in praying is the key issue, regardless of whether we pray in public or in private. However, for every Pharisee who uses public prayer to appear spiritual, there is a secret agent Christian who is determined to blend into the secular scene. Their prayers over meals in public restaurants are reduced to a brief scratching of the forehead. Of course, we should not take it upon ourselves to interrupt the mealtime of those around us by standing on the table or speaking in an unnaturally loud tone of voice as we pray. But it is just as absurd while conversing with others at our table to suddenly lapse silent for prayer or to revert to whispers as if we were ashamed of the one we profess to love more than anyone else in the world. As to the length of prayers, it should be a warning if our public prayers are consistently longer than our private prayers. God hates hypocrisy and will not listen to the speeches we make in order to sound spiritual. Jesus warns against praying at length in order to impress. In fact, brief prayers can sometimes be far better. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. Sincerity is far more important than eloquence. The Apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. God is with us wherever we are. God expects ongoing conversation with him to be a normal part of our relationship with him. God desires intimacy with you. He wants to make your life meaningful. He wants to fill you with peace he wants to give you joy inexpressible and full of glory. God made you, and he wants what is best for you. Are you prepared to set aside unhurried time and learn to focus your thoughts and intentions on honestly speaking with your Father and then listening to what he has to say to you? Folks, this book, Embracing His Will, is the third in our series, The Life of Prayer. And I hope that these messages are an encouragement to you in your prayer life, that it's motivating you and inspiring and perhaps even instructing you a bit about how to have a more intimate walk and conversation with God. If you have any prayer requests, special concerns or questions, 
we'd be happy to hear from you. God bless you, and be sure and tune in tomorrow. Folks, just want to remind you that this book is available as a gift to you if you will contact us. And we hope that if you get the book, you'll pray for us. Please be in touch. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit PastorWood.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit PastorWood.org today. That's PastorWood.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. Hi, this is Pastor Jim Wood of Abiding in Christ. Living in the mountains of East Tennessee, I'm surrounded by phenomenal beauty in every season of the year. My wife and I live on a mountainside that adjoins the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the most popular, most visited of all the national parks in the USA. Our neighbors include bears and bobcats, foxes and raccoons, even possums and skunks. Just down the hill from our house is the beautiful campus of Wares Valley Ranch, a miraculous place where God is busy changing lives from the inside out. On this program, you'll hear interviews, monologues, but mostly you'll hear the expository preaching that I do here at the ranch. Because I'm often speaking to a room full of children, you may occasionally hear background noises or illustrations and vocabulary chosen for a child's frame of reference. But the one thing I pray you will hear every time is God's Word, the eternal, inerrant Word which points us to Jesus. I'm delighted to partner with this station in bringing these messages to you, and I'd like to get to know you better as you get to know us. Please visit us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. Click on the link that says Contact Us and let us hear from you. We'd love to know the station where you listen. And feel free to share any prayer requests as well. We actually do pray for the specific requests that folks send us, and we love hearing how God answers those prayers. Again, the website is pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org.